will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You, the podcast that, while not precisely the epistemological equivalent of running with scissors, would still be seen as similarly problematic by both your infant school teacher and your philosophy lecturer. Joining me this evening to trammel the depths of semantic vexation, we have H.J. Doom, who is currently at 80% humidity. Actually, it's, it's nearer 90% by this point. I'm disgustingly moist. Clammy. I am Roger Hart, humble but entirely unbundleable. And we have Mr. Dave Convery, just an actual bear, but keeping his shit together surprisingly well. Hi. Grr. Our question pertains to the workplace. I have one of those self-starting, semi-senior, quite autonomous, modern management-y jobs people seem to do these days. Obviously, it involves stuff with computers. I hate it, but that's only part of the story. My remit boils down to, here's some stuff, go and make it better. So I have a lot of freedom, largely set my own targets, and get plenty of space to work out how to do whatever it is I do. Except that I don't do it. Or at least, doing it is a massive struggle. I start late sometimes, or distract myself with other things, or scroll through social media, making myself miserable at the state of the world. Procrastination, low focus, and erratic motivation. Sometimes I have no idea where to start. Sometimes I just can't face it. I'm miserable. My work could be better. It's a bad time for everyone. Help me, we will fix you. Help me reach you in my tiny, tiny violin. How do I get my motivational mojo back? Hmm. Yeah, all right. I think the actual problem you're trying to solve here, let's be honest, both about you and about the grim reality of selling your labour to survive under late capitalism, is actually, how do I not get fired? Like, tough, at this rate you're going to, so let's take that and run with it. If, if all your self-determination bollocks exists within a framework of healthy governance and consequences, and you haven't been fired, then you probably have less of a problem than you think. You may be working inefficiently, sure, you, you, but if you've, if you've heard nothing negative and your organization is healthy and functional, then probably, probably you're delivering results. That being true, you can likely fall back on some standard stuff like David Allen's Getting Things Done or Chris Bailey's Productivity Project and maybe, you know, some shit to make you happier because it sounds like you're not. Also, you have imposter syndrome. Everyone does. That's just, just you know, do a thing. None of this is interesting. Uh, if you do buy one of those books, though, please click one of our referral links. More interesting, and perhaps more likely from your message, is that nobody's noticed yet, um, and you may have a problem. Maybe that's because this is recent, maybe it's because your organization is broken, I, I don't know. But if you're in a low accountability context, then this could trundle on for ages until someone does notice, at which point they'll put a big fuck-off HR-shaped boot in. So let's steal a march on that. Let's get you fired, LARP-style. 
Now, if you have a good relationship with your boss or an HR person, if that's possible, um, we could go ultra-realistic here, and this, this could be a fully immersive experience, but I'm going to assume you're going to impose on a few kindly friends for a kind of fun intervention. Um, we're going to sketch out a rule system, dress up as corporate drones, and put you through a disciplinary process, hopefully faking some accountability and consequence until you make it. Bonus points if you actually get so scared you shit yourself. Now, we might start with an early performance improvement meeting, for example, where the dungeon master introduces a level 2 or 3 HR minion for you to tackle, and possibly your boss as an NPC. Maybe another friend could, uh, could even take them on as a player character if they're a decent sort and obliging. You know, the crushing tedium of having to think about your fuck-ups and maybe roll for initiative on or, or blagging checks around whether you have to write a detailed improvement plan. That might that might be enough to kind of show you what lies down this road. Um, but you know, if you if you beat that dungeon, there's there's more down the down the hallway. Um, there could be performance meetings or quarterly reviews, or like a, a an embarrassing bit of governance where you fuck up because you're underprepared. That sort of feels like a an end of the end of the first act of the narrative thing you could do there. Um, we don't need to sort of bring in the dragons until later, which of course would be the boss fight, um, semi-literally. You, your manager, an HR archfiend in a tiny room with a box of tissues telling you to get the fuck out of the company, and you are going to have to take some serious dice checks to get through that fucker. Um, you can roleplay the whole gamut of procedural getting-fired horror, and, and also loot the dungeon. I mean, don't, don't forget to nick the photocopier on the way out. But... Running what, what amounts to a D&D &D campaign around you getting an almighty bollocking and being told to get the fuck out of this office will probably give you a taster of, of, of what's to come and, and maybe kind of build some motivation to avoid that because, you know, you sure as shit don't have any now. And we, we could look at positive stimulus and we could look at getting things done, but we've sort of already covered that, you know. If, 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 if nothing's really sort of, if, if things are kind of all right, then yes, you can look at the light, fuzzy, positive shit. But if things are kind of not all right, then I think some sort of gameplay, safe space environment in which you can consider the very real consequences of your fuckery, um, you know, might be fun. H.J. Duel. This is a question that fundamentally boils down to motivation, and you can motivate yourself with all sorts of things. Ambition, passion, duty, financial security. But I think the problem is that most people don't have any ambition or passion for anything beyond getting through the day without howling like an engorged hyena. Um, so I think it's a knotty problem, and I think it's one that assails most of us at some point or other in our lives. Now, some tech companies have tried to gamify the daily grind of existence in kind of a similar to way uh, Roger was talking about, but they've only really experienced small success, so they'll give you apps on your phones that try and turn chores into a series of video game fetch quests that reward you with experience that you can use to improve your character. And while it's true that seeing a little level counter go up by one is almost certainly the most fulfilling thing you'll experience in the average day at the office, there's almost certainly a limit to how much work you're prepared to put in to attain it. And in all honesty, it's only fractionally more effort than you're prepared to put into remembering to breathe out after you breathe in. So what we're going to do is we're going to use elements of this approach, but take gamification to the next level by filmifying your productivity. And the film we're going to use as a basis for this is Taken. Now, in Taken, 
a group of criminals who are tired of living, decide to commit elaborate suicide by angering Liam Neeson. They kidnap his daughter, sit back, content in the knowledge that their end, whether it come by bullet, knife, or gruffly Irish pummeling, is certain. You kind of, if you watch Taken, and I've watched nearly half of it, you can't help but be impressed by Liam Neeson's motivation in this film. I think we'd all love to have that kind of can-do attitude. And it appears obvious to me, at least, that the fear of losing a loved one is what really inspires him to be the best mass murderer he can possibly be. So, what you're going to do is make use of that very natural, very, very human fear of dying alone by hiring someone to kidnap a loved one whenever you have a deadline looming. Um, they will snatch your loved one, take them to a secure location, and send you a list of their demands along with a toe or other small bit you probably don't look at often enough to miss. Key thing is, the demands will in fact be your current to-do list, but made up out of letters cut out of magazines, stuck on the back of a glossy photo of your loved one's terrified, screaming face. So if you don't deal with the residuals on the Murchison account or produce a PowerPoint presentation about enrapturing our customers, then the kidnapper will, will kill your sister, father, artisanal cheese vendor, or any other human being you, you feel a trace of connection with. Um, I understand you can find kidnappers really easily on the dark web, but to be honest, you can probably get some desperate scion of the gig economy to do it for less than minimum wage if you post on TaskRabbit. I mean, whatever you're paying, it's still going to be better than working for Deliveroo. Uh, this system, I must caution you, is not without its risks. In this case, the main one being that the kidnapper may well be a more functional and pleasant human being than you are, and your loved one may come to prefer their company to yours, especially given you're the kind of warped human being prepared to arrange their kidnapping in order to get a quarterly budget projection done on time. By the time you've had a loved one kidnapped three or four times, there's also a significant chance they may not come back at all. Um, the other risk, the other big risk, is that you may find that the absence of a loved one is, is less of a trial than you might have thought. You may in fact, or probably will, come to prefer it and rather resent the idea of getting them back. So if, if it transpires that what the kidnapper is actually doing is doing you a favour, there's only one solution that I can really come up with, which is that you hire someone to kidnap the kidnapper so that the first kidnapper will only be able to kidnap your loved one if they themselves are released by the second kidnapper on completion of whatever fictitious task late-stage capitalism currently has performing, as you performing. I definitely don't foresee any problems coming from adding this extra step. Um, there's almost no chance of this turning into a kind of infinitely regressive series of kidnappings. So, uh, yeah, good luck. Splendid. Mr. Convery. So, there's going to be a little bit of armchair analysis here, and I apologise for that, but this is a point where most humans work in a very similar way, so I feel reasonably comfortable diving in there. Most people have a psychological need to feel like they've achieved things. Um, and there's various ways that this is modelled. Um, uh, 
a lot of sort of work was done in the sort of mid twentieth century, and there's a there's a model um, called the NH uh, model or NACH, which I'm going to keep calling it. It's the NACH model because nothing sounds better than a posh middle class man saying NACH over and over again, like it's the fucking nineties. Um, so I think, based on what you're saying, late starting. Uh, procrastination, low focus, and fundamentally being miserable is that you have a need for uh, achievement that is fundamentally unmet. Um, and if you're not getting shit done or not getting rewarded for getting shit done, being that, you know, someone's praise or the big juicy dopamine that you hit that you give yourself, then you're going to feel shitty. Um, if you have no motivation, if your task is too big, too ungraspable, no end in sight, no sort of useful breakdown of it, then that's demotivating. It's going to make you feel shit. So you say that you're able to set your own goals. Set the smallest possible goal that requires effort because you don't get the delicious dopamine hit if there's actually no challenge to overcome. You don't your brain very quickly adapts to what you can do without effort. You need to have done something new or challenging um, in order to actually have a sense of achievement. Um, but you'd also don't want something that's so big that it is completely intractable. Um, because not only will you put yourself off, it's probably not actually achievable and defeats the, the purpose of the object. So if you're able to actually define goals that are useful, that are the things that you should be doing in your job, but you can break them down into small, distinct things that are finite, easily understood, achievable with effort, then you can start drip-feeding yourself the happy brain chemistry and sense of achievement that you're going to need to actually ramp back up to wherever you were before you started falling off the cliff edge with it. Um, so yeah, this I'm actually quite serious. This is a good way of doing it. It doesn't all need to be within your work. It can be outside of work, other things that you enjoy, stuff that you want to do. People just fundamentally fucking suck at inertia uh, on a good day. And you need to make sure that you're finding ways around that and not letting the sense of, I could procrastinate or I could just flop and do nothing, uh, win. Not even in the sort of Protestant sense of, my God, you've got to work, but just having that sense of achievement is good for you. It's well understood. You can see it on Wikipedia. Splendid. Yes. And with this round of motivational speeches, we leave you to contemplate what, if anything, to do next. Perhaps that thing could be writing to us to solve more of your problems. You can do so at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com or if that's a task of too great an enormity, there's a little clicky button at hauntedphonograph.com too. Yes.